Well, here we are. Day three. Back at it again, baby. R.I.C. in the place to be. Telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft since 2002. It's what we do. Rick Saratello with the NFL Draft Bible. We are preaching the good gospel here. Uh, just uh, minutes away, hours away, not even, before the start of our favorite day here at the NFL Draft Bible. Day three. Personally, I like round eight the best. You know, everybody thinks the draft ends after the seventh round. It actually, that's when it gets the craziest because you got teams and agents and players hitting us up like crazy. And boy, it's been a crazy draft. Here to talk about it and break it all down is our director of college football scouting. He is Joe Everett. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Joe W. Everett. My brosif, two days down. The best day yet to come, my friend. Uh, what do you want to get off your chest here? Oh, quite a few things. Uh, not not a bad round, not a bad draft. I mean, like uh, Terry McLaurin, we got it done. We got him in the top 100. That, that more than anything is the validation I needed there, NFL. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. But then uh, we go around and Quincy Williams, I yeah, I'd like to Whoa. think we really combed over the we combed over them small schools, but with a with a comb, a pick, a fine tooth, you name it, uh, we did it. And uh, man, I missed one there. Like I'm usually in the top 100, Rick. I see names, and I'm like, God, oh, I didn't put them in my top 100. Or, oh man, I had them fourth round. Why are they taking him? I did too. I was like, oh well, this is you know, this is a Quincy and Nunwa. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know that one got me. So you, no, just so you feel a little bit better, you know, we I actually spoke to Quincy leading up to uh, the draft, you know, recently, and he was one of these guys who was late in the game to sign an agent. He was completely ready to sign an undrafted free agent contract. I mean, that was actually his mentality coming into the draft weekend. So it just goes to show you never know. And you, it only takes one team. So, you know, there you go. Quincy Williams, uh, brother of Quinnen, Murray State, third round. I know I had the network coverage scrambling around. Um, but, you know, if you're like Charles Davis and myself, you remember at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, he was there. Um, you know, it was hard to get a good read on him because of the weather that week. It was you know, just pouring rain all week long and uh, players were very restricted. But, you know, that's why, like Joe, you got to, you know, comb the the draft board with a fine-tooth comb. And I think you hit 83 out of 100 for the the huddle top 100. I had 81. Very tough year to predict the top 100 prospects. But, um, you know, Deontay Johnson, shout-out to our guy Justin Gamble, that was another one I think oh, yeah. the Steelers. Um another guy I think we were higher on than a lot of the others. So um you know, early impressions, Joe Everett, Rick Saratella. If you didn't get the twenty nineteen draft Bible yet, you can still do that over at NFLDraftScout.com. Download the twenty nineteen draft guide. I just sent over my top fifty prospects heading into day three. I also have round by round analysis up there that you can find. They'll be posting it. Um of course all of our podcasts. Uh, throughout 
The draft can be found over there, and, and you can follow us on the Twitterverse at NFL Draft Bible. Shout out to our FCS small school insider, Chris Shanafelt, for uh, holding down the Twitter handle yesterday. And uh, we'll continue to try to interact with our fans on day three. Joe, uh, you know, the one team or two teams that stand out to me uh, off the bat, you know, the Redskins, not only do they pick up what I consider to be the top quarterback in the draft in Dwayne Haskins, they add another top 10 talent in the 20s in, in Montez Sweat, and then they go out and get our guy who you mentioned, uh, Haskins' teammate, Terry McLaurin. I love what they did. And I thought, um, you know, the Maverick, John Elway, has been, you know, kind of wheeling and dealing here. Uh, the Seahawks, another team wheeling and dealing quite often. They came into the draft with four picks. I think now they have a dozen. They've already made four picks, and they have like eight more picks to go. So they've done a masterful job. Uh, Chris Ballard, your boy, you know, with the three second-round picks, I think that's that's really a big-time bonus in this year's draft, uh, being able to get the talent level at the salary level in the second round. But back to our guy Elway, uh, going up, to get his uh, trading down uh, to get the tight end and picking up additional picks going up to get his guy drew lock after selecting our guy uh, Reisner um, really liked what the Broncos did uh, your thoughts there. And then who else has been winners so far in your opinion? I, I like what the Broncos did just for the simple fact you knew they wanted lock uh, the, the, the guys they brought in, it was all those quarterbacks, and, like, it was kind of the worst-kept secret. But the simple fact that they waited and took them at value is so encouraging. I, just because how many bad drafts this is facing, not, not as a whole, but just bad decisions on certain players. Like, did we need to go that high on Paxton Lynch? Um, you know, just don't even get me started on some of the other QBs, but I'm not exactly uh, with the lock camp per se, but I'm, I, I, I like where it happened and more so the other players. Uh, I really think um, the, 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 the fan kid, like you said in the last podcast, man, if they just sat, stayed fat, took him at 10, I'd be like, eh, it's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. But Risner, Dremont Jones, uh, they're addressing needs. I, I think they're doing a good job, but the winners, um, you, you stole one from me for sure, Chris Ballard. I, I think the only slip-up in his tenure so far has been that McDaniels, Josh McDaniels snafu, but I, that's not all on him. Other than that, uh, the, the specific point that you hit on is that trading down and, and hitting on these second-round gems, man, the, they're going to save on the long-term and salaries. The rookie deals they'll be paying these guys won't be as much as other you know, high-grade, blue-chip first-rounders where – I, I I don't think I'm going to get an argument from you, Rick. I think Rocky Sin is going to start a bunch of games for Indianapolis, man. That's a, that's just a good pick for that scheme. Uh, Paris Campbell, you know, we have often compared Paris to, to Terry McLaurin and, you know, whatever. Paris is one hell of an athlete. Four three one speed on the other side of T.Y. Hilton. Uh, look out, AFC South because you're going to be running for your life. Um, whatever they get out of Ben Banigou, uh I, I think is just a bonus here. But the, the bottom line, I think you stick with the Colts here in, in the Jets trade from last year, and now it's official. Sam Darnold equals Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Kamoko Ture, Jordan Wilkins, and Rocky Sin. Um, wow. I love Sam what Darnold. Right? Unbelievable. I love Sam Darnold, but at this point, 
you can't win that trade unless Sammy Darnold's wearing a gold jacket in 20-odd years, right? Like, that's the only no way you win either that, that trade. Or wear, either that or wearing a ring. Yeah, a few. Uh, a few. Like, because <laughs> yeah, Quentin yeah, right. already – Quentin Nelson's already paying off. Braden Smith's already paying off. Uh, I think they may have something in Ture. We'll find out. But, uh, yeah, Colts just looking good. Ballard right now is shining in his role. And then um, Justin talked about it yesterday, and I think they uh, doubled up the Packers. I love what they did. I know you got your disagreements with Mr. Sternberger uh, from A&M, but uh, where they yes, got him, I, do. I, don't, I don't think. I don't think they had to spend as much, though, on them, right? Like, uh, they didn't break the bank. Uh, I like Savage. I like Gary. But the best is getting a Swiss Army knife like Elton Jenkins. That's a godsend for the Packers because every year, I don't care what season it is, the Packers, oh, well, the offensive line wasn't so banged up this year. That's every season. So why don't you address it and get a guy that has played every single of the five positions along the line so if something happens, you've got a real option and not, uh, God bless Jason Spriggs, you let me down, but he's a liability out there. So I think Jenkins is a guy, he'll step in as just such a valuable piece for them as uh, not necessarily a swingman, but he could step in as the pivot, either guard position. Um, yeah, Packers, Colts, loving what they did. And then uh, one specific player I think is a winner. Devin Singletary, your boy, going to the yeah. Bills and learning from the very player you compared him to in mm-hmm. Shady McCoy. I think, boy, that's a nice situation, a team that wants to run the ball, and he'll be able to learn uh, from, I think, arguably one of the best in the game. That's a real real good situation for Singletary. And then I'll, I'd close it with the Rams. I just think the Rams got some good eats, man. Uh, I like that haul where they got Taylor Rapp. He's going to play for them. And then Dave Long, that corner from Michigan, he jumps right in there. They got insurance for Gurley and Darrell Henderson. And then Bobby Evans, that's one of those top 100 things, man. Stick to your guns. Take your own medicine, Joe. I had Bobby Evans in my top 70, and then at the last minute yeah. it took him out. God, pulling some hair out over man. that one. But I, I love the Rams Hall, man. Uh, the, just three third-rounders that I think are going to play a lot of football for them. Yeah, no, I I, I uh, want to smash my head in with the baseball bat with uh, the tinker, the last-second tinkering I did with the top 100 because, you know, it's a catch-22 part of – the evaluation process is listening to well-connected people in the know that you respect. And, you know, I had a few folks send me their top 100 and tweak my, what my, you know, if I had just stuck with my original top 100, uh, Devin Singletary, who you mentioned, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't even make the cut. I think that's a guy, you know, I probably devalued him too much. And we talked about that on previous podcasts, a lesson learned from the draft season. It's so easy to overreact to a good or poor combine, and I think that's what I did with Devin Singletary. But, yeah, you know, we we did hit a lot of nails on the head. I forgot the, the LaShawn McCoy comp that was made, and uh, a lot of picks, a lot of um, things that we discussed did indeed happen. You mentioned Tyler Rapp, uh, you know, pairing him with Eric Weddle. <laughs> and then, you know, Darrell Henderson, that's an that's an upgrade over C.J. Anderson, in my opinion, and much needed. Uh, we saw, obviously, what, with the whole Todd Gurley fiasco last year, and then your boy David Long, physical corner. Bobby Evans, as you said, I think the Rams and less need. 
uh, you know, guys that have kind of elevated themselves into that upper echelon uh, in terms of talent evaluators, I think are less need Chris Ballard and, you know, even the JJ Arcega white side, I'll let that pick slide, but I think Howie Roseman has really done a wonderful job in uh, taking back the reins there in Philadelphia. It's funny because, you know, both LA teams now have this dynamic safety deal with the Rams now having Taylor Rapp and Eric Weddle. And now the chargers, they take Adderley to pair with Derwin James. That's a heck of a safety combination as well. Um, You know, green Bay, I agree, you know, listen, Sternberger, I think he'll be out of the league uh, in three to five years, but, you know, him and Rashawn Gary, some, some risk-reward selections there. And I agree with you on uh, Paris Campbell. You line him now opposite of T.Y. Hilton. I just think that takes their offense, uh, gives them that added uh, dimension, you know, that added element of danger. And they can now compete with the Rams and the Chiefs of the world. And the Chiefs, by the way, McCole Hardman, Joe, I think is the guy, you know, he's going to have the – undaunting task of trying to replace the one Tyree kill. Uh, what was your thoughts there with that selection? Yeah, that's another one. And I don't want to call the chiefs losers here, but like you realize he doesn't run that many routes. Uh, some teams had him as a corner, not even a wide receiver when it turned him into a DB and they, they take him in the second round. That one just I, really NFL. Come on. I, and I, I like, the rest of the Chiefs draft. I mean, I'm not hate well, the one, it, but the one, uh, pony, the one trick pony option worked with Tyree Kill. I think what they're looking for here is like, hey, Patrick Mahomes, just launch it as far as you can, and and Hardman play some frisbee, mm-hmm. go fetch it, right? I mean, well, but I mean, and he'll replace yeah, that but, role on the offense, right? Sure, and uh, but I think you know Juan Thornhill at 63, uh, great value there. Oh yeah, and Kalen, Colin Sanders, our guy at 84. Uh, Kind of like it, but, um, you know, let's talk they about added speed. That's what they added. Like they just, uh, flat out, all these guys are plus athletes. So they, that's that like, there's a theme I always believe in everybody's draft. And that's definitely what the chiefs are after. They're about that business. Um, Joe Everett, Rick Saratella breaking down the NFL draft two days in the books, one day to go. Joe, everybody uh, was looking at Oakland, what they would do. We talked about their first-round haul. They go out and add Trayvon Mullen uh, there in round two. Uh, A point was made on the coverage. You know, Mike Mayock's first scouting trip as Raiders GM was to that national championship game between Alabama and Clemson. Ironically, three of the first four picks, Farrell, Jacobs, and Mullen now from that game – and then, oh, by the way, uh, Jonathan Abraham, Gruden's fingerprints all over that one. We we spent a lot of time on yesterday's show talking about the first-round guys, but uh, how does Mullen fit into the equation here in terms of the new identity the Raiders are trying to build? Oh, it's uh, changing the culture. Like we said yesterday, I think that's uh, another like theme. They want leaders. They want a new locker room, and that's uh, Mayock and Groots there. Uh, I, I firmly believe it. Those first three, it's like they're they're bringing in team captains right now. Uh, with Mullen, though, I I think that's just flat out addressing need. They want somebody on the opposite side of Conley that's not a total stand. Um, that's hopefully Mullen, at the, but I, I don't know that uh, he's going to address it like right hit the ground running. I think Worley's going to have to play a lot of football for him. I still kind of like Nick Nelson as their uh, 
as their nickel uh, of the future. But like I, I look at Worley still having to play some ball right now because if uh, Mullen's ready to go on day one, that'll that'll surprise me. Uh, I think that's why he's uh, available a little later. But still, it's hard to go wrong with those first three picks, man. That's um, you know, guys that you just really have a strong belief in. Like I said, I still think Cleland Farrell's one hell of a player. Did you have to take him that high? No, but that's my number six overall player, and it's not just football, man, character. Uh, the family he comes from, the upbringing he's had, uh, like what it means to him, like, man, that's I'm, I'm pretty confident Farrell's going to be a strong player in the league. And it's, uh, yeah, you, you spend a little too much, but – you, you come away with the player you want, and it's clear the Raiders had to part ways with Farrell. Like, uh, they definitely had the Kevin Costner post at Cleveland Farrell no matter what. Joe, you know, if I'm a, if I'm an AFC East team, it must be so frustrating to watch the draft every year because not only are the Patriots winning Super Bowls every other season, you know, they just continue to stockpile these draft picks five picks through the first three rounds another seven picks entering day three it's just it's actually disgusting when you think about it and you know you take a look at what they did here um oh well we lose Gronk well we'll add a Nikhil Harry from Arizona State in the back end of the first round there oh Sony Michelle, he was a beast for us in the playoffs. Hey, why don't we just add Damian Harris to the equation? Not that we need him, but, hey, we'll just create our own smash and dash here on offense. And then, oh, by the way, Yadni Kajus, uh, the offensive tackle from West Virginia, who was a borderline first-round prospect before the injury. Hey, even if he doesn't play this year, hey, we've got ourselves a starting uh, next tackle for next year. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, I see Jawan Williams being a key cog out the gates on this defense. Uh, you know, he adds uh, a size and, and man coverage ability in that secondary. And then, you know, listen, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Chase Linovich, but now that the Patriots have him in that hybrid defense, I mean, they're going to just unleash the beast, tell him, go get that QB. Um, you know, I actually kind of like the Winovich fit here. Again, because he goes to the Patriots, they'll find out a way to utilize him, kind of like um, the, the linebacker Rob um, Rob Ninkovich. Then Rob Ninkovich, there you go. You know, I knew what uh, you were know. thinking, bro. <laughs> he is that player. <laughs> yeah, and so now you have a, a Rob Ninkovich lined up opposite of uh, Kyle Van Noy. There, um, I mean, you know, when does it ever end? And listen. I'm going to go – here's my hot take for day three. I, I see the Patriots with uh, three fourth-round picks, Joe. Here's my hot take of the day. One of those selections will be our boy Trevin Wesco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that is the, the H-back uh, utility tight end that they need right now. Um, and, you know, uh, not to – hurt anybody's ears, but that's the Aaron Hernandez role that they, I believe they're still missing, a guy that does a number of things. And, yeah, that Wesco so fits. And, of course, when Brady's getting hyped pregame, now he's going to be screaming, Wesco, Wesco. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I love I love their draft at the end, man. Those day three guys, and they got our number one back uh, uh, on our board on day three. Uh, he's just, uh, I don't see any weakness in Harris's game. He'll complement really well with Sony Michelle. And I, 
I wonder who's going to lead the Patriots in rushing yards next year. Uh, oh man, uh, let he's, me get. He's going to play that. Uh, he's going to play that Corey <laughs> Dillon role. You already know. Uh, this is uh, it's planning out. Uh, I think perfectly. And then Kajust, I think they get away with a little uh, armed robbery there because he's hurt. I mean, were Kajus not injured, I think uh, he's he's second round, uh, and maybe in the conversation day one. That's just a, a really dominant interior guy. I think they'll probably put him at guard, but who knows? Maybe they try him at tackle. Uh, that yeah, it's it's another good haul, and and you, you it's perfect Patriot style because they got most of those guys day three. Uh, their their highest pick is thirty two again, and yeah, it's uh, is Brady retired yet? Man, listen, I'll tell you what, these teams that keep goofing up and taking running backs in the first round and even the second round, if I was a GM in my office, I would have a poster on the wall with all the running back, the starting running backs from every Patriots Super Bowl team. Take a look at this wall. Show me where they came off the board. So before yeah. you recommend us taking a running back within the top 50 picks, leave the office, think about that, and re-enter with a new attitude because we're not doing it. <laughs> you know, we're just not doing it. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm just not taking a running back on round one, round two. Heck, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to start thinking about running backs even until day three. You know, take a look at some of the running backs here that are available. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a show for another day, so we'll just keep it moving. Keep it grooving, funk, flex style here. Joe Everett, RIC, Rick Saratella breaking it down on the one-twos. Uh, tomorrow, <clears throat> just got a text while we were doing the show, Joe. We will have our guy uh, Emery Hunt from Football Game Plan on for a guest spot and uh, talk about some of the draft. So we'll do uh, another recap show tomorrow. If you're listening now, it'll be up on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, NFL Draft Scout, Stitcher. So please like it, subscribe to it, comment for us, do us a favor, help us out, improve our draft stock, improve our rankings because we need it. Um, We're the Rodney Dangerfield out here. Um, I'll take our coverage over all the mainstream media outlets. I'm just saying. All right, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Joe, um, you know, I don't want to call anybody a loser. You know, one one guy I'll, I'll throw out there that kind of scratched, you know, scratched my head because I have confirmed with the team source that Ja'Kai Polite, the 68th overall pick, they don't like me, man. Um, well, the yeah, Jets man. do. <laughs> and, you know, they're going to play him. They're going to play him as an outside linebacker. And I know Greg Williams gets creative, but I don't know, a 5-0 flat guy uh, as an edge rusher in a 34 defensive scheme, I'm kind of scratching my head on this one. Well, I, I definitely have to fess up and say I was wrong on Ja'Kai Polite. He ended up in the top 100 after all, and that's one uh, boy, I took uh, got some egg on my face on that one. Uh, the Jets are taking the shot, but I don't – I'm not nuts about the role. And then also the scheme fit. I mean, I thought that's the reason why they take Quinn and Williams, who's a little bit more akin to the even front. Uh, and then that's more in line with what Greg Williams has been doing. So if he's a stand-up pass rush linebacker, I don't, 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm not buying any chips of betting on Polite anytime in the near future. Uh, I, I think the Jets at that point just saw a guy that maybe preseason, uh, midseason, high on their board, fall to round three and take a shot. This, I'm, I'm not uh, down with the pick at all, and I thought he'd fall. I thought he'd fall a little bit later. Uh, Ferguson actually. I did eventually put him back into the top 100, but that that one I think was right along with uh, thinking everybody. It's like, man, I guess we'll take the career leader in the NCAA, but polite, there's just something there, man. Like, yes, there's some flashes. He had a lot of forced fumbles, but I don't see where he wins uh, with actual power. Where's the base strength? And like, when he actually played a team, the, I I would ask everyone to watch Jakai Polite versus Georgia. Because I I think he just he just went in the tank early in that game, man. It was uh, that's that's his worst game that I've seen. Maybe that's my problem. That's one of the few games I've seen of polite. But uh, I'm yeah, not nuts about that. Well, pick nobody at all. nobody likes a, nobody likes a mentally weak person that checks out of the game after they're defeated early on. But you know, sticking in New Jersey, the Giants. We talked about them needing a pass rusher again. Uh, O'Shane Jimenez, who who you called as a top 100 guy, Old Dominion, but uh, I really thought he was a true hand in the dirt, you know, type of defensive end, and now he'll be playing outside linebacker in that James Betcher scheme. Your thoughts with the fit there? That's the same thing. Like I don't see him uh, as as meeting the the whole Betcher you Betcher defense on it. Um, uh, he's he's. I think he was worthy of the selection, but, yeah, I thought for a different defense because that's what he played at Old Dominion. Uh, I was hoping maybe a Philadelphia Eagles take a shot, uh, New Orleans Saints, but, no, I don't I don't like him in that odd front at all. And, like, still looking at that defense, this is, uh, I think, a big issue with the Giants in their hall. Uh, you really need to – I don't know, uh, more of the Von Miller type is what I'm looking for in this style of scheme. And right now, I still don't – I thought they were going to address that at six. I thought there was going to be at 17. And Lorenzo Carter is your best edge rusher. I think that's uh, that's going to prove to be a problem. And, man, I don't want to pull a typer here, but this is why the New York Giants are going to be picking high again in 2020. Man. Can Gettleman survive another losing season? Man, that cat's got more than nine lives. I I I, I don't understand. Like, uh, well, he he and somehow McCagnin like both. they like him for he, sure. He 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 and McCagnin. I mean, uh, you know, I know we live in New York, New Jersey here, and there's a lot of shenanigans that going. On. I'm I'm starting to think there's some blackmail involved. <laughs> yeah, they got pictures. Get them in and his photographs and the quarterback. I love how he says quarterback. My favorite was the Giants fan at the draft ESPN coverage, and he's convinced that he's planted there by the Patriots because he's got the Boston accent. And he's like, don't you, don't you <laughs> yeah. listen to him talk? Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a gopher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it. Well, yeah, he definitely set this uh, organization back for a very long time, in my opinion. Who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Daniel Jones will take the world by storm. And uh, I don't know. I I don't know if I mentioned it on yesterday's show, but uh, Eli Manning has been doing his weekly spot with the Mike Francesa show for the past 15 years. And he told Mike, I'm not doing it this year because I don't know if I'll be the starting quarterback for the entire season. That tells me the Giants already let Eli know, hey, Jones is going to get a shot at some point this season. And you know what? 
if he shows any kind of glimpses, Joe, I think Eli Manning will be shopping for a new home in 2020. It's going to be a hard sell. I, I mm. want to meet the team that's going to give him some money <laughs> after this left. I mean, and then I've got, I've got an island I want to sell them after they're done signing <laughs> yeah, that. Right. Staten Island. <laughs> yeah, a big landfill. Yeah. Take all your trash out there. <laughs> Prime real estate. Joe Everett. Prime. Yeah, Joe Everett. Rick Saratella breaking down the NFL draft. Two days in the books. Uh, day three ahead of us. Of course, round eight is great. Uh, Joe, any losers in your opinion uh, before we move on to best available for day three? Well, the, the, we got to the losing some surprise picks that I really wasn't jiving with the Hardman pick. There's another one, Sione Taki Taki. I don't think the Browns had a bad haul. I, I, I don't mind it, but to me, Taki Taki's not a hundred, top 100 player. And then there's character red flags. And let's also remember he's not that good at football. Uh, I swear they're thinking they're getting the next Fred Warner here, but there's a big difference, I think, in motor and athleticism. Um, Not nuts about Tampa Bay's last couple picks. Like Mike Edwards, I guess, but I'm pretty sure they have enough safeties that can not cover or tackle. And then Jamel Dean. I mean, wow. Like no one told Tampa about the injury history of Jamel Dean that reads like crime and punishment. Shout out to Dostoevsky. Uh, and then the Texans, man. You mentioned that the the NFC East, you know, the, or sorry, the AFC East, they just keep on falling on their face. Well, the AFC South, not too like the Texans. I don't think the Titans got their act together. The Jaguars, I'll leave you alone for right now, but watch yourself. Uh, the Texans, they were forced into Titus Howard. I don't think Howard's a bad player, but the Eagles crushed their dreams, trading up right ahead of them, taking Andre Dillard. That's who the Texans were going to pick. And then knowing full well that they've got a roster full of cornerbacks that can't run or cover, uh, especially can't run or cover with T.Y. Hilton, they went ahead and drafted another slow corner that can't run uh, in Lonnie Johnson, man. I, 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 they, they're going to be upset about that pick, especially we added that, you know, the Colts just picked up Paris Campbell too. I don't think they got a corner on this whole roster that's running with either of them two cats. So uh, I love mm. Holly Waring. I had Waring as a top 100, so I like where the Texans got him. That's just a big upside pick. But, man, I, I don't think – the Texans, to me, stink of a team that's just uh, throwing darts at needs because, oh, well, this mm. guy's gone next one off the board, next one off the board. And, and they're not – I don't think they got long-term vision, man. And that's what I would uh, – Really criticize. I think there's a disconnect between scouting and coaches. And then, uh, yeah, my last one, Jalen Hurd ain't no top 100 player. San Francisco, what's the matter with you? You was doing fine with Bosa. You had our boy Debo Samuel with Jimmy mm-hmm. G. And then Jalen Hurd. I'm scratching yeah. my head because, like, uh, that's not a receiver right now. It's a potential playmaker, an H-back maybe, but – nothing close to a finished product. I don't I, I don't like as high as they took Hurd, and maybe, you know, they know they obviously know plenty, but it's just, to me, that's, uh, that's bad value there. Well, you know, I do got to say, I'm excited a little bit for Jimmy G because you throw Debo Samuel in there. Uh, they signed mm-hmm. Chris Hogan, and they got Goodwin who can stretch a defense, and, you know, Hurd is, I guess, just a bonus at this time. Um, but like you know, like you said, that AFC South. Hey, Reggie Wayne, let him know. 
putting the AFC South on notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the one thing I will say, I, I agree with you on Tampa Bay. I think, you know, there's no way Jason Licht, I think, survives another season as the GM there. Um, I'm a big fan of B.A., Bruce Arians, but I, I, I agree with you. I mean, Sean Bunting at 39 overall, uh, Jamel Dean uh, in the third round, um, and then even Mike Edwards, you know, the, the safeties you could have gotten day three, very comparable to Edwards. Um, you know, I don't know, Joe. I see, and I hate to say because I am an Arians fan, but, you know, when you've got 28, 29 assistant coaches running around, um, you know, Bill Parcells, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, they've always preached that fewer coaches is actually more effective because you have fewer people, fewer cooks in the kitchen. And when you got 30 coaches telling players, you know, you got three coaches in a position room telling you different messages, uh, the message gets lost in translation. So, you know, I see the Buccaneers, and, and, and you know, listen, I get it. They're, they're trying to have this diverse coaching staff, and, and hey, I'm all for that. But, you know, when you, when you go out of your way and you try to do things, you know, differently and, and you try too hard, uh, sometimes, you know, <laughs> you shoot yourself in the foot. So this Tampa Bay, I think Tampa Bay is a recipe for disaster. I think Arizona is a recipe for disaster. Um, I don't see this working. I even, you know, sense some hesitation, like, hey, Kyler Murray was talking about if we fail, well, hey, I tried my hardest. And then he caught what he said. Oh, well, I don't expect to fail. But it's like he's already thinking about, like, hey, maybe I'll be a failure and I'll go play baseball in the back of his head, uh, back of his mind. I think he's just one hit, one broken leg, one fractured shoulder, uh, one torn labrum away from just, you know, you know, like, give me the money. I'll go play baseball and have a nice life. See you later. Um, however, they did take our guy, Andy Isabella. So <laughs> married to Isabella, get used to that tandem. Uh, I just don't think it's going to work. And, you know, we shall see. That's the intrigue of the draft, Joe, and a lot of intrigue entering day three. Um, you know, the guys for my money on my board, best available, Again, it'll be up on the NFLDraftScout.com. But to me, you know, I'm surprised. Uh, you know, I heard a lot of people calling Deontay Thompson a jag uh, leading up to the draft. So maybe he is just a guy. I didn't get that impression. But, you know, I, I still think there's value for a guy like that on day three. I know the Twitterverse and draft Twitter is up in arms about Hakeem Butler. And, and again, validity here because, I get it. I understand that he's exciting. There's a lot of raw traits to, to, to like and be excited about with Hakeem Butler. But, you know, I always thought it was these couch scouts in the media that were just hyping him up and trying to make him something that he wasn't. Uh, Julian Love, a corner out of Notre Dame. I think we had a first-round grade on this kid, Joe. He's still on the board. Yeah. Kelvin Harmon from NC State. Boy, how the, how the mighty have fallen. Um, Chancey Gardner-Johnson, another one. And then, hey – you need yourself a, a, a nice linebacker. How about Mac Wilson from Alabama or Voshan Joseph from Florida sitting pretty and, uh, you know, still some depth at wideout. Emmanuel Hall from Missouri, uh, Riley Ridley from Georgia, a couple of uh, good players there still on the board. So uh, lots of talented players. Again, this is a very deep, extremely talented, deep class. Uh, there's going to be a lot of starters I see here taken in round four. 
Oh, no question about it. Uh, and that's, I'll just fess up, I'm dead wrong on Julian Love. Uh, I thought the NFL would like him a lot more than that, than what the, the majority has spoken. <laughs> Three times they all passed <laughs> on my boy. Um, I still yeah. think you've got a scheme versatile player there. And I'm a big guy on, you know, Joe, why you do so many interviews? It counts, character. Uh, who are you talking to? Who are you getting in that building? I think that's where Julian Love is really uh, going to help himself a lot. Just great kid, good family, uh, takes the game seriously. And then, yeah, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, there there must be something going on there. Uh, and we did kind of read that towards the end. There might be some character concerns with him. And then uh, Hakeem Butler, I'm still miffed on that. I thought he'd at least fit into the top one. Both those receivers, Butler, Harmon, um, fought Ridley just to, because of the pedigree, but that is starting to make sense. I mean, there's just some things missing in his route running. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, you were, you were a Hall. big uh, hockey. I forgot you were a Hakeem Butler guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just thought there was just too much to, to like about the spectacular catches he could make. Yes, there's drop issues, but uh, once he tested what he did at the size he's at, I, I thought that would be validation enough. But, boy, that's uh, – yeah, there's enough missing in his game that uh, they they don't like him. Mac Wilson being available outside of the top hundred. That's I think is heck. All three of us like Mac Wilson uh, coming in. And then uh, one of my pet prospects uh, after the Senior Bowl, I was pretty taken with Charles Amenahu, Texas, the defensive line. I thought he could do some things off edge, but he could give you a number of different looks off defensive line and. Now the NFL definitely doesn't agree, and that lack of the little stiffness he has, lack of athleticism, I think that's uh, what haunted him. And then the one that I, I'm beating myself up, I, I thought Tyree Jackson with those measurements, just the, based off yeah. of triangle numbers, you'd think he'd get drafted in the top hundo. And that's uh, I think he's going to come off, though, uh, early in the board. And the, as far as just players I love uh, that I want to see get drafted here, to start this day, I think Terrell Hanks or Terrell Hanks in Mexico State. I don't care what he ran at this point. Like uh, it's day three now. It's time to play football. Let's let's throw the numbers out and go back to the tape because if you look at the tape, Hanks is lighting people up. There's there's a lot of upside there. Uh, I want to see where he goes. Um, I think he goes early, and then I don't care where my guy Damian Jean Pierre from Nickel State goes, but uh, I'm calling hey him seventh round. Seventh round, yeah. someone's going to call that name. Um, but, yeah, as far as the top players, it's just um, a lot of names out there. I would have thought Max Crosby had been off the board by now. I'd say he goes pretty high. Uh, that Oklahoma State running back, Justice Hill, uh, uh, that, that adds up. Like, it's, yes, he's a great athlete, but we, we also have to play the game here or there, too. And then at my last one that's just kind of, bothering me is uh, Amani Oruwarie, Penn State corner. Yeah. I'm shocked he's still available. I would expect that's uh, got to be one of the top corners off the board here to start start today. Now, a lot of exciting players and, you know, the defensive line, we talked about the depth and you, you got guys like Max Crosby still available, Charles Amenehu, uh Isaiah Bugs from Alabama, uh, Dalen Mack from Texas A&M, I believe, is still on the board. Uh, so there's a lot of talented guys. Kaminsky from Charleston, who we saw at the Senior Bowl. 
uh, Jalen Jelks from uh, Oregon, Gerald Willis from Miami, uh, Terry Beckner from Missouri. So, I mean, boy, this defensive line, we talked about it being historically good. Uh, those, a handful of those guys, Anthony Nelson from Iowa, uh, if you're at 34, you know, looking for a base defensive end there. Uh, Joe Jackson, did I say him yet? I mean, God, the depth here on the defensive line is just stout. Uh, last one for you, Joe, and, and then we'll just wrap this up. Quarterbacks, you mentioned Tyree Jackson. How soon until we see him? Is he the first quarterback off the board? Is it Jarrett Stidham? Is it Ryan Finley, who I keep seeing uh, mainstream media keep hyping up as a top quarterback in this year's draft? Obviously not because he's still available on day three. And then I'll just for the record, you know, Rodney Anderson, maybe uh, my favorite prospect left on the board. And we should mention Preston Williams. Someone, you know, maybe Cleveland will take a, a risk on him. Um, and then also your boy from Texas Tech, I think, is still on the board, Antoine Wesley. Yep. No, that definitely. I, I think he's he's got to find a home at, at this point. Um, I, I did have him, I think, I, I, for prosperity, I did take him out of my top 100, if I remember right. So that was a sly one by me. But, no, I expect Tyree Jackson. I, I think he's got to be the next quarterback off the board. Uh, maybe, I don't know, what do the Raiders do if they want to add a backup? I mean, that, I don't I don't know if it's Stidham there. I, I don't like Stidham, and I don't buy the whole Ryan Finley talk. Like, I agree, but that's more media created than anything. Um, I really think someone's going to give Tyree Jackson a shot, first of all, the quarterbacks remaining. Not only that, though, uh, but maybe it's not a quarterback. I've heard some... Whispered. I mean, this kid is six foot seven, two forty nine, running a four five nine. That's uh, that's that is elite tight end numbers. So maybe a team looks at him that way too. But I think he's got to be the next name off the board. At least you know, following my board. That's that's how I draft because I'm just I, Stidham throws a real pretty ball and seven on sevens. But when you know the actual game starts and people are getting killed, yeah, it's it's it, things change for him. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, All right, Joe, another episode down. We'll be back to break it down tomorrow. We'll have Emery Hunt on as a guest. I'm going to see if we can get our guy, Russ Landy, to pop on for a few minutes. Maybe we'll have even John Murphy, too. So it's going to be a jam-packed NFL draft review show. Make sure you keep it locked for that. Again, we appreciate everybody tuning in across the uh, podcast platforms iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, of course, here on NFLDraftScout.com. Please spread the word. Get us out there to the masses because uh, who doesn't want to hear the good gospel of the NFL Draft Bible, especially tomorrow on Sunday. That should be a religious appointment set to the calendar and alarm clock for Sheezy. Uh, Until the next time, everybody, keep it locked, and thank you very much for tuning in.